So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, and any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being in the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that, above, that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the sun and under the earth, and of every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and inherit an innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. The word of the Lord. Thank you. You can take that down to Christina. All right. I love this passage. I love these verses. Um, when I think of what it is that we are called to be and to do in the world, I go back to these verses. Um, it has everything. It has the life and the death of Christ, the picture of God lowering himself to become a servant, and then what that means for us as we remember that. How do we model that? How do we live that? How do we take on that same mindset, that same attitude? Let's pray together as we get into the Word here. God, we thank you for your word and for allowing us to be participants in your kingdom and in your work. Help us to express what you have done in us and through us this summer and uh, help us to be changed because of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you, Hannah, for reading that. Hannah was one of our team members on the Lesotho team. Uh, we took six of us, and uh, Thomas, everyone's here, but Thomas, he uh, is on a family vacation right now, and Thomas uh, is the dentist who went with us and ran the dental clinics, and uh, he calculated up the numbers after we were back and uh, said we saw a ton of patients, but the most impressive number to me was that he pulled 40 teeth while we were there, and uh, I still feel some of those when I think about it. He's uh, just wrenching on folks. Um, all right, so th- this is our passage here in Philippians. And um, the section in verses 6 to 11 is most likely a hymn that was sung by first century Christians. Um, it, was, it was for worship and to remind themselves who Jesus was and who it was they were following and what that meant for their life. So Paul uses it here because he's reminding the Philippian church who they are and how they are to live because of that. So as we look at it today, I hope that we're reminded of who we are, God's beloved, who we follow, Jesus, the humble servant, and what a life that shines like stars looks like. We're also going to make some connections to the missions that we've done and and connect it with this passage. We're going to hear some of the stories from people who went on these trips. I'm going to take a break and break the sermon down into three sections. And after each section, we're going to hear an interview from some of the people who went on these trips. Uh, We're going to break the sections down into the three main reasons that we go on short-term mission trips. We go to encourage, we go to learn, and we go to serve. So we go to encourage. I want to reread verses one through four from the message because I love the clarity of this language here. So here's verses one through four. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the top. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. What stood out in that passage? Let that take root in you. For me, there's so many phrases there that stand out. If God's love has made any difference in your life, if you have a heart, if you care, love each other, be deep-spirited friends, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Paul is using this as a reminder for the church at Philippi. Remember what new life in Christ means for you. Remember that encouragement. Remember that love. Remember that grace. Remember that you belong to a loving family. You belong. And when you remember it, let it change your attitude. Let go of your selfishness. Let go of the need to always be right. Let go of keeping it all to yourself. Remember that you're part of a family. You can't just think about yourself anymore. Think about others and how you can help. In missions, we can help by encouraging. Short-term mission trips have a lot of limitations. We're limited in the time that we're there. You know, one or two weeks, there's, there's only so much you can get done in one or two weeks. We're limited by language a lot of times. We were in Lesotho, and nobody that we took spoke Sasotho, 
And so we had to rely on translators and depend on others, and we lose control there. So, so it's a limitation. We're limited understanding about the culture, and we don't have a place in that culture. So as much as we do prep and learning, it's still all new, all fresh. So there are limitations. And because of those, we need to have right expectations and realistic goals when we go. It helps if we can take a step back and realize that we are not in charge of this work. It is God's kingdom and God's work. We're not starting or ending the work, but simply joining in the continuing work of God. In Mark 1, Jesus begins his ministry by saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. We are joining in the ongoing work of God's kingdom. Long-term missionary partners are so valuable. They've given up comfort. They've given up security. They're away from their families. They're away from what's familiar to them. And they've given that up so that they can be used by God in a different culture. Local church leaders have a great investment there. They were here long before we got there, and they're going to be there after we leave. So we need to make sure that the work we do supports them and helps them do a sustainable work and doesn't hinder what they're doing. When we step back and look at missions with this perspective, we see that we have the opportunity to encourage these leaders. We encourage them first through our presence. We've used uh, a book called Helping Without Hurting in Short-Term Missions uh, in preparation for our international trips over the past few years. And in that book, uh, he tells a story about a missions partner who welcomed a short-term team by saying, 90% of your work is done. You're here. Your presence speaks volumes. When we show up, when we're present with missionary partners and the church leaders, we remind them that they're not working alone, but they're part of a larger family. Allison Hunter, uh, who is now Allison Barnhill, grew up in this church. When we go there, we remind her of her past history. We remind her of what God has already done in her life and through her ministry. Her first trip and first experience with missions was on a team sent out by this church. So when we go, we encourage each other. Our presence reminds them that they are not alone in their work. And reinforcements help them see connections to Jesus Global Church and help us understand that we're part of a larger church that's going on. We encourage through enthusiasm, passion, and energy. When reinforcements show up, it lifts spirits. For missionaries who are in a new culture, who are away from home, it's encouraging for them to get a taste of home. One of the nights we were there in Lesotho, we got to join with missionary families, four different missionary families, and we all sat around the table eating meat that was being grilled outside, and they just wanted to be around us. It was encouraging for them to see Americans who took time to visit to encourage them, to let them know that they're not forgotten. Even though that they're away from their friends, their family, their culture, they're not forgotten. So when someone shows up and wants to learn about you, wants to learn about what you do and what you love, it propels you forward. When we take a group to serve, it re-energizes the ongoing work. Do you remember this from our years after Katrina, when those groups would show up to mow lawns, to gut houses, to hang sheetrock? It propelled us forward. We were encouraged and re-energized because we rem remembered that we were not forgotten and we were not alone. Our missionary partners and local church leaders need that reminder. They are not alone, but are joined by distant relatives who share the same mind and one love.
the first team I'm going to talk with this morning is our youth teams. And um, you went to both Waco and to Alaska this summer. Trey, tell us a little bit about why you took the group um, to those two places. Absolutely. So one of the things that we look for in partnerships um, are partners, and just to echo what Andrew said, are partners who, uh, when we go, the mission isn't starting when we get there, and it's not ending when we leave. And so one thing that we were extremely fortunate to have in our partners with Alaska Mosaic and Mission Waco were two partners who all year long, day after day, are laboring, and we were just coming alongside what was already happening um, really, uh, really on site. And so those are fantastic partners to partner with. And one thing that, that we get when we go and partner with places that are not here is we really get a really cool picture of uh, what the church uh, and what the body of Christ looks like outside of this area. And so it really gives you kind of a globalized view. Great. Christian, you actually went on both trips this summer. Can you tell us a little bit about how y'all worked to encourage the team that was on the ground there? So I know definitely in Alaska, uh, meeting some of the college interns that were coming into Alaska at the same time we were, uh, it kind of created a better sense of community just to get to know them as they're getting used to the new place that was a, kind of a culture shock for everyone. Uh, just different, because most of them were Southerners, so just getting to know uh, the lack of Southern uh, hospitality and just <laughs> understanding how Anchorage worked and what they would be doing. Uh, so it was good to see them kind of get warmed up with us alongside. Uh, and I know in Waco, getting to see some of the team members there and just knowing that we were actually helping them out do their day-to-day -day work and that they really relied on volunteers to come in and help them with their operations. Jesse, how were you encouraged by going on the trip to Alaska? Yeah, so one of the biggest things, like the biggest things I did was we helped BBS. And so in BBS, I had the privilege with working with the fifth and sixth graders. And there was these two girls in the group. It was Alana and Jasmine. And Alana, at like the course of the week, we got, she, we got to talk about how her parents are both in the Air Force and they're both in two different like parts of the Air Force. So they kind of move around a lot. So they're constantly moving. I think she said they moved like seven times in the past year. And it was just like, it was June when we went so like that's really crazy and so they came in the first day and they like wouldn't talk to anybody and they kind of just sat in the back and laughed and like didn't participate or anything and so I was just like kind of talking to them and so like after a while like they got used to everybody and at the end it was so cool just to see they were talking to literally everybody and they got to know everyone and that was just so cool for me to just to sit back and be like wow like they just had a great time. That's great. It's wonderful to see how when y'all send us out on missions, we not only are able to encourage the people that we work with, but we're also encouraged. And this is the answer to scripture. Encourage one another and build each other up. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. I love hearing the stories from, uh, from these youth and, and young adults and uh, preteens who go on these trips. They are learning about missions from an early age, and it's becoming part of their life, part of their, their understanding of what it means to follow Jesus is to go and to be on mission. So we learn Paul includes this Christ hymn, verses 6 through 11, um, because Christ is the teacher and the one we must learn to follow. In this passage, we're challenged to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. We learn through an attitude of humility. An attitude of humility doesn't assume it has all the answers and that cultural differences mean that the others are wrong. Humility opens us up so that we are able to learn. 
In verses 3 and 4, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. When we have this mindset, we understand that we don't have all the answers or have the only access to wisdom or the Holy Spirit. This mindset allows us to cooperate and learn to give up control. We enter another culture as guests and seek to understand and not be understood. So we had some, uh, some friends come through on their way to Florida and stay with us this week as guests. And uh, honestly, they were terrible guests. Um, they came in, they moved some of our furniture, they rearranged some kitchen drawers and cabinets where I couldn't find stuff. They uh, drank the last of the milk and put the empty jug back in the fridge. Um, it was awful. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. They didn't do that. They entered our, our life as guests. Nobody goes into someone else's home and thinks they own it, thinks they control it. So they came in as guests, understanding that they are entering into our lives. That's the attitude that we need to have in a new culture. We are trying to share the love and hope of God through Jesus Christ. We're not trying to export our culture, our church style, or anything else. This is a key to successful partnerships and cooperation in a new culture. We can't assume that we have all the answers and that our culture is the best and should be adopted by every other culture. We want those we serve to see Jesus, his love, and his forgiveness only. If we let it, our cultural assumptions can become clutter that distract us from the central message. We can learn when we enter into another culture with the openness of a guest. We learn by doing as well. The experiences that we have on mission trips shape how we understand ourselves, how we understand the world, and how we understand God. Working on a mission trip equips us for living out the life God has called us to. We recognize that we are not just on mission when we're in a foreign land, but that we are on mission throughout all of our life. This is a quote from mission theologian Tim Dearborn. He says, One reason why the body of Christ invests in short-term missions is that it is an exceptional discipleship and mission education experience, further equipping us for a lifetime of service in God's kingdom. We go so that we can learn what it means for us to go, what it means for us to make disciples, what it means for us to teach them to obey what I've commanded. We go so that we can have this understanding. When we go and we do, we understand more fully what a life of following Christ can look like. So we go on mission trips because it can shape how we understand life and our calling to follow Jesus. We learn about our place in God's kingdom. Realizing that the work doesn't begin when we get there or end when we leave shapes how we understand God's work. It can be an overwhelming thought to think that we have to do it all or fix it all in two weeks. But that's not our call. Our call is to go and be faithful to do the work that we're asked to do. In Isaiah 43, we see that God is in the business of making all things new. We can see God's work in fresh ways when we're in a new culture and out of our routine. We learn by having different worship experiences, by listening to how believers in a new culture live out their faith. God is making all things new, not just in our context, but in all the world. We're invited and allowed to participate in God's work. This should be an honor for us, not an obligation. Any small part that we get to play in the work of making all things new is a privilege.
This next team that's going to share is one that I had the privilege of, of being a co-learner with as um, we went to Lesotho. And um, we're going to hear a little bit from Chrissy Schwinnison. I knew I would get that wrong. And um, Quell Jenkins as they, as they come up. We, um, as Andrew mentioned earlier, we go to Lesotho um, to partner with Brett and Allison Barnhill. They are a part of a ministry called Reclaimed Project. And as we partner with them, they are partnering with local churches. And they have care centers and um, work with um, the churches and the care center together. And um, we get to work with them, come alongside them with whatever they're doing with the children, with the pastors, with the community. And on this particular trip, we got to do dental clinics at the care center and at the church. And it brought people into the church that have never come into the church before. And it was an incredible thing to get to do ministry with them go out into the villages, go walk around, and um, also to do this dental clinic. So we learned together as we went. Chrissy, um, tell me what you learned about the kingdom of God on this trip. So I have to start out first with my husband I met 19 years ago, and he was born in this little kingdom of Lesotho. And from that moment, my heart just had a calling to go there. And it took 19 years to get there. But as we entered this church, my husband's military, we just moved here six months ago from Arizona. And I, he, he said, there's the Lesotho flag. And the Lord just, I learned that the Lord cares about our heart. And he just opened the door for me to be able to go on this mission. And so that was just such a beautiful gift of the Lord. The second thing I learned is that Besides the dental, we were also going to do vacation Bible school with the care center. And I am a first grade teacher by trade. I love to teach. And so as we're preparing the lesson plans, I kept asking Andrew, how many kids? What have they learned? And he said, Chrissy, I can't really give you those answers. We're just going to have to see. And so the Lord put it on my heart, Semper Gumby always flexible. And so the kingdom of God, I learned we have to always be flexible. And little did I know that that training that he gave before we even left was going to be so important because in our pre-meetings, we had discussed like, what is something that you really feel called to do? What is something you're okay not doing? And my words right out of my mouth is, I just want to focus on teaching. I have no desire to do the dental clinic. And this is where you can all laugh because you know how God works. So we get to the dental clinic, and I'm so ready to teach, and none of the kids from the care center show up this day. And the first patient arrives, and I just feel the stirring in my heart of the Lord saying, go, go comfort her, go pray with her. Oh, Lord, okay. So that went from being obedient to becoming the dental assistant. Um, <laughs> I had to learn that it is not always in our strength that the Lord uses us. This was the most uncomfortable thing I could do. If you would have told me I would be suctioning mouths and helping pull teeth and cleaning trays, I don't know if I would have gone. So the Lord brought me to a place of humility. And so we did that for two days straight. And our la by the end of the second night, we had a gentleman who was very special to us. He was our translator. And we gotten to know him very well. And he was our last patient. And we're working by headlamp. And 
It did not take one hour to extract this man's tooth. It did not take two hours to extract this man's tooth. It took five hours, and it was five hours of the most excruciating pain you can imagine. And me and my teammates, we cried out to the Lord. We prayed. We prayed with him. We had others covering him in prayer, and it still just took every ounce of strength that we had. And God's goodness, the next day we had a dental hygienist who came as one of the missionaries, and I thought, thank you, Lord. I no longer have to be a dental assistant. So I spent that morning treasuring every ounce of sunshine because it is winter there right now, and so we were in a cold dark building and I am out in the sun playing with kids rejoicing and my teammate comes out and says I know we have a real dental hygienist now but this man needs your prayer and your comfort and every ounce of my flesh wanted to say no thank you no thank you and I learned about the kingdom of God that it's not always our comfort and I had to say okay and so I went in there, and I saw that it was a need, and I prayed, and I just held that man's hand as he went through what he was going through. And you know what? Then the next patient didn't need me. So I was getting ready to go back, but I realized that there was some trays that needed sterilized, and so I'm quickly doing that. And unfortunately, I made a really poor mistake when I was stabbed by a dirty needle. And so now it went from this fear that consumed me to remembering the verse that the Lord gave me before we left, Romans 8, God's everlasting love. And I just recited it through my thoughts over and over. And I found peace and truth. And I was surrounded by a team that just showed me love and walked me through every step of it. And you know what? It is through that humility and that fear that people that I did not get to have a conversation with before, they all of a sudden want to hear about the Lord because they were able to see the Lord's light and not mine. It was through my humility that it was pointing towards him. And so I had to go on HIV rejection medication, and it makes you feel horrible. It makes you feel like you're being poisoned. At least it did me. I don't know if it does everyone. But um, really had to push through that and pray through it and find full strength, strength in the Lord alone. And you know what? The next day, we were actually hit by another, another worry where we had to lose three of our teammates to go to South Africa because we had a medical scare. And so our team was now smaller, and the word that we were there to help people with their teeth had spread from village to village. And so more patients showed up than we could ever possibly see. And we prayed, Lord, let us have superhuman powers and see more people than we can imagine. And you know what? He didn't say yes. He did not say yes. And each patient seemed to take even extra long. And we got to our last patient who took an hour and 40 minutes. But there was, at this point, we had our teammates searching for bleach. We were out of bleach. And you would go to the outhouse and people would come to you saying, please, Lord, please, please see me. And you would go outside and there'd be more people saying, please, please see me. And you could see these desperate needs. And it was in that that there was nothing more we could do. We prayed. We tried. And I just think it sums it up. There was a teenage boy who was working with us as a translator. And for lunch, we would make sandwiches. And so we had made sandwiches. And he came up to two of our teammates and said, oh, 
I am not satisfied. And we said, you're not satisfied. And really, he was just asking for another sandwich. But what I realized about that in the kingdom of God is sometimes our souls aren't satisfied. And the Lord leaves us there so we can come to him asking, seeking, and knocking and say, I'm not satisfied, Lord. Show me where you want me to go. Show me what you want to do. And so I pray that we're always at that place of not being satisfied so he can stretch us and push us. And to me, that is what I've learned about what the kingdom of heaven is, is all of us working together to be a part of the body and growing in every step in him. I love that, Chrissy. That really shows us how that that we are in the kingdom of the of the the here, and then the, also the not yet. And there's so much that we want to do, but we carry with us the lament of not being able to do it all. Quell was also on this trip with us, and Quell, what did you learn about yourself on this trip as you went? I learned that like God could use me in the smallest voice. Um, Honestly, whenever you go on a mission trip, you always go with expectations, kind of like what Chrissy said. Um, but I actually went with the expectation to work the dental clinic. Um, and honestly, I wanted to pull a, a tooth or two. Like, um, but when I went there on our first day of doing a clinic, I quickly realized that I would not be able to really help with cleaning the teeth and everything like that because it required actually standing over the patients. And so, um, honestly, I became a bit discouraged because things weren't going as I had planned in my head um, beforehand. Um, but God quickly showed me like that he still had a plan to use me. Um, and the Holy Spirit prov provided divine appointments. Although I wasn't able to work in the dental clinic as I, like I had hoped to do, um, I was able to just sit and wait with patients as they waited to be seen by Thomas and the rest of our team. Um, I was able to share my testimony with the women in the village and also the teenagers, and I was able to lead a short Bible study and just get to know some of the women, and we even got to play in makeup at one point. And so um, I learned that I just had to be willing and ready to do what God had wanted me to do. And I learned also that mission is not about me and what I want to do, but what God wants me to do. Um, and honestly, I, I always am speaking, and God always put me in position to speak. So I, would, I don't know why I was so surprised. <laughs> but um, I felt like the dental clinic was a big part of our mission. And so I had wanted to do that. But God, you know, he, he humbled me, and he used me in a way that he felt um, was needed. And so, yeah. That's good. If there's one thing we learn, it's um, not just flexible, but fluid is what we're going to be on these trips. And we all did learn so much about ourselves and about God's kingdom. Thank you all for sharing. From, uh, from our first meeting, we talked about that, of, of we're going to be flexible. We're going to make a plan, but the plan is not going to go how we think it is. So we're going to be flexible. We're going to lay some of our expectations down and uh, see how God works. So we go to encourage, we go to learn, and we go to serve. We serve in obedience. In uh, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is Paul saying, I'm not always going to be with you and able to lead you by the hand. So keep up the good work. It's your responsibility now. I recognize this mindset even more when I think about my kids. Um, I certainly want them to obey when I'm present and watching. But what good is that if as soon as I leave the room, they stop obeying? Um, Now, although Ruby and Lucy are spending the week with my parents in Texas, uh, so I'm sure that the rules are going to be bent a little bit and uh, that we'll have to do a good bit of unlearning when they get back. Um, But I hope this idea of obedience travels with them. I want them to follow and be obedient, not just when I'm there, but when I'm gone. And so this is Paul's command to them. It's like, okay, you can do it when I'm there, but you're also equipped to do it on your own now. So just as Jesus sent out the apostles, we are now being sent out. It's our job. We have to take the ball and run with it. We serve out of obedience and we go because Christ has sent us. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives us the Great Commission and commands us to go and make disciples of all nations. This is a direction for all who follow Jesus, not just professional missionaries. And in Acts 1, Jesus tells his disciples and us that the power of the Spirit will be with us and we will be his witnesses locally, regionally, cross-culturally, and around the world. We serve with willing hearts. I love verse 14. It reminds me of uh, Billy Puckett and our partnership after the storm with uh, Habitat for Humanity. So Baptist Crossroads and Habitat for Humanity were working in the summer of 2006 to build 40 homes for families uh, in need who had lost housing, who were there. And Billy was working with Habitat at the time, and every morning he would do kind of a safety orientation with the volunteers, and then he'd do a brief devotional. And he usually ended with this verse, do everything without grumbling and complaining. And it set the tone for the day. His expectation was, you're going to do the work and you're going to do it without complaining. And this should set the tone for our lives too. We don't need to enter into this work dragging our feet, grumbling, complaining, fighting for what's ours. We want to follow verse 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. We want to live in such a way that we shine like stars. In order for this to happen, we have to contrast with the rest of our society, with the rest of our world in some way. So Paul's challenge here is for us to be blameless, to stop complaining, so that when the world looks at us, they can see that we are different and that something is making us shine. I love hearing uh, Chrissy share about her flexibility and her expectations going into the trip. She, she said from that first meeting, I do not want to put my hands in someone's mouth. And she did it day after day after day with a willing and grateful and cheerful heart. Um, and Thomas was very grateful for that as well. We serve as a way to model the love and service of Christ for a world that doesn't understand selfless love. In 1 John 4, we're reminded that we will be known by our love. Our love should reflect the love that has been shown to us through Christ. This should, bring our defining, this should be our defining characteristic. When we're serving in another culture, when we're speaking with our neighbors, we should reflect the selfless love of Jesus. I want to be known by my love and not by how much I can grumble and complain. We serve because our labor is not in vain. God is working in us and working through us. We serve because to follow Christ is to serve. We shouldn't expect anything else. We are following the one 
who gave up the comfort and security of heaven to live among us, to wash our feet, and to ultimately lay down his life. In doing this, we take on the mindset of Christ, who took the form of a servant, who let go of his heavenly rights to humbly serve. I hope we're not scaring y'all to death as we talk about God surprising us. Um, I too said I wouldn't put my hands in somebody's mouth, and I did. Um, but our leaders, um, Trey on the youth trip and Andrew on the Lesotho trip and Faye on this trip, they, they do protect their missionaries. And every single thing that we did that surprised us, we did willingly. And um, they, they, they were always working with us saying, are you sure you're okay doing this? And it was always God leading us to do the things that surprised us. The group we're going to talk with now is our, is our preteen group that went with Faye to Waco. And Faye, tell us about why you took these kids to Waco. Well, there were really two reasons that we took this trip. And one is that we want to just try to provide our preteens with experiences outside of the context of life that they normally know. And so we started out with this trip. Um, we went to a cowboy church for the first two days. And so while we were there, they got to fish. And believe it or not, a lot of the kids caught their first fish. And so that was fun. But they also were exposed to cattle roping and chasing baby cows around the arena. So we had lots of fun there. And it was way outside the normal context of life here in New Orleans. But even more than that, I think that what the preteens saw was a small church who really had no connection to FBNO open up its doors to us. Those men grilled for us. They loaded up their cattle. They loaded up their horses. They did a demonstration for us. They explained things to us. They gave us opportunities to serve. They pulled up a chair and sat down next to our preteens. And really, for no other reason than they saw us as a body of believers coming alongside of them and working together to build up the kingdom of God. And then we went to Waco because I knew that in Waco, what would happen there is that our our preteens would be given just a variety of opportunities to serve in which they would be treated as young people who had something significant that they could contribute to building up the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what happened. They worked hard. There was a lot of dirt. There were a lot of weeds. There was a lot of clothes that needed to be folded and sort. There was a lot of sweat. And, but through it all, these kids had a great attitude. And they also had the opportunity to interact with people that they never would have had the opportunity, or maybe, maybe they would have the opportunity here, but just people that they don't normally interact with, and it was great. But the second reason that we do this trip is developing relationships. And as you read, as you look at statistics, you will see that oftentimes in the adolescent years that young people pull away from the church but what studies have shown is that teenagers, adolescents who have their own personal relationships within the church, not only stay connected to the church, but they also begin to develop their own strong personal sense of faith. And so in just a couple of minutes, you'll hear from two of our preteens, and they'll share stories of how God used these opportunities to serve to shape their own faith. Great. So we'll hear from Tony first, Tony Petalino, and then we'll hear from Allie Schwinnison. Tony, how did um, serving change you on this trip? Well, um, serving changed me in a few ways. 
Uh, it's made me more active because normally when I'm at my house, there's nothing for me to do. So I just sit down playing video games most of the time. But that week that we went to Waco, we were doing a lot of stuff outside. And um, we were pulling weeds at this farm that we went to. And that was, even though it was really scorching hot, it was like 90-something degrees, that was way more fun than just sitting down. And... Um, it made me more thankful for what I have because whenever we were serving at my brother's keeper, we were talking to and cleaning the beds of um, the people staying there. And uh, I kind of, I saw that they didn't really have much and they were just, you know, glad that they had a place to stay for the night. And so that made me kind of realize how much God has blessed me. And so I'm more thankful. And I've also grown my relationships a lot with everyone else in the group because um, there was a lot of teamwork involved with what we did, and I don't think I've pulled that many weeds by myself single-handedly, because um, those weeds are huge. They're taller than me, and um, they're really strong. So sometimes they required up to like four kids to pull one of them, and we were there on that, we were stuck on a weed for like five minutes. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that was uh, so. I grew a lot of my relationships and we were just talking and having fun while doing it. And it felt really rewarding once we were done to see how much progress we've made. And we've cleared most of the field. And I feel like it's kind of made me more humble because I've put, well, during the whole week, um, I put others before myself and it felt good. And I kind of really understand that saying that people say it's better to give than receive. And yeah. So quick. Follow-up question, Tony. Are you pulling weeds at home now? Uh, no, because we don't have a garden. There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Allie, tell us um, a little bit about how serving on this trip equipped you to follow God in a new way. Well, whoops. It equipped me because it made me really have to listen if he was telling me something, for it could be your only chance to share your light. You had to be the best you every time you served. I was only really able to do it by relying on God to give me strength. If I was depending on myself, my spirit would have been a rundown car, basically. It would go, <laughs> and I can't drive too. It would be no, no. <laughs> I really had to trust in him that keeps me, and now I've gotten into a habit of doing that every day. Just last week, actually, I was able to share biblical truth to my grandpapa, which I wouldn't have been able to do without doing this mission trip. That's awesome. It's awesome to hear. And as you can see from the very youngest of age to the oldest of age, we are about the business of equipping our people as we go out and we, and we do this work. So I love that y'all did this service and that you served others. Thank you. All right, so at FBNO, we gather to go to the need. This means that what we do here is important because it equips us to go out. Um, but it's not the end. We gather here so that we can be sent out into the world, into our community, um, to serve God and to tell others about the love and hope we found in Jesus. Our life call is to follow Jesus, to lower ourselves, to let go of what is rightfully ours, so we go. Through the global impact, we challenge our church family to pray, to give, and to go. So I want to challenge all of you. This is your takeaway here. Pray for this church. Pray for the missionaries that sends out. Pray for our mission partners around the world 
and pray for ways that we get to serve in God's kingdom. Then, then we give. We give through the Global Impact Mission. This is above our tithe and offering. This goes to support Care Effect, to, to do um, international missions, uh, American missions, local missions. It gives scholarships so some of these people can go on trips that we take. Um, so, so the green, fold, green envelopes that are in the pew backs are Global Impact. Um, consider giving to the mission of this church. Um, go locally through Care Effect. We have ways that you can serve and be used by God in the work of the kingdom. Go, go globally. Um, after the service, we have a table out there, and you'll see some baskets and some journals on it. Those are handmade by widows and some of the church members in Lesotho that help sustain the ongoing orphan care work there. So we've got some of those for sale, and we also have some sheets out that you can sign up if you're interested in going on one of our trips. Uh, we've got a trip to Ghana coming up in September. I know that's short notice, so that may not work, but um, if it does for somebody, we'd love to have you on that trip. We're planning to go back to Zimbabwe in June, July of next year, and we want to help a local pastor there who's launching a youth ministry and a youth camp to reach out to the young people of their community. And then we're going to go back to Lesotho after Christmas of 2020 and New Year 2021 to do another dental and medical clinic. So I want everyone who is a nurse, a doctor, an assistant, a dentist to consider going on that. Uh, as you heard, there was some lament from our team about um, just the, the inability to serve all of the needs there. It's an isolated area and there's not medical service. So I wanna take back a bunch of people who have skills that can serve this community. Um, in our training for Lesotho, we were challenged with this. Keep reflecting on the question, how is God calling me to live differently once I'm home in light of what I experienced on this trip? So for all of us, how is God calling me to live differently because of the model of Jesus and the new life I have in him? Let's pray. God, I thank you for the stories that we've heard of how you've worked in us and through us in your world and in your kingdom. Thank you for using us. Thank you for allowing us to be part of this. I pray for our church that we would continue to send mission teams out, that we would continue to partner with missionaries around the world, and that we would continue to be involved in your work in our city. God, equip us, use us, and help us to always be mindful of what you're calling us to do. Help us to see our life is following you in service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.